fire tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danu Naki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe, hey So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at, wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up, ayy uh, Rising from the ashes No, no, you cut out yeah, again Yeah, doing it pretty, pretty Man, I know, it's unfortunate it, it, every, every time we start, it, it actually just goes out And then we're only catching like maybe one every eight words Oh, that's terrible. Sinkhole? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, weird things happen on this planet. Weird things happen. Weird things happen on this planet. Weird things happen on this planet. Weird things happen. Now, there are lots of little tunnels, too, called Erdstals. They actually discovered this sunken temple during that massive tsunami. There's a god. There's a god. There's a god. And then there are some and that are not really acknowledged. Not really um, well, acknowledged. people um, have well, photographed people strange have things off the coast of Spain. Yo, what up, Fire Tribe? It's your boy, Homie Romy. I'm going to read you a little bit of the book subterranean realms um before we get into this chat um unfortunately we did have some audio issues so this is heavily edited um karen mutton is awesome you guys are really going to enjoy what we were able to scavenge from this interview and so um here we go this is from her chapter Six in her book, Subterranean Realms, Mesoamerica. Mesoamerica. Of the ancient civilizations in Mesoamerica, both the Mayans and the Teotihuacan civilizations utilized natural caves and built tunnels beneath their pyramids. To the Mayans, caves were the entrance to the underworld, which they called Zibalba. This underworld was a scary place which had to be reached after encountering frightening array of obstacles. Some Mayan caves had stone structures built within, as well as tunnels which were connected to the pyramids. Teotihuacan. This mysterious and well-preserved city was a built near the present-day Mexico City nearly 2,000 years ago. The most famous structures are the so-called pyramids of the sun and moon. But we have no records from the builders of the complex. Similar to the Giza Plateau, there are rumors of tunnels and chambers connecting all the main pyramids by underground passageways. The labyrinth of caves and artificial tunnels was first discovered by French explorer Desire Charnay, whose 1880 book Les Ancienses Villes de Nouveau Monde recounted his visit to the cavernous quarries to 0.5 miles west of the Pyramid of the Moon. Charnay's native guide showed him entrances to several galleries which branched off in different directions at regular angles and led to a large 
hall-like chambers. One of these halls was shaped like a rotunda and filled with human remains. He followed another straight tunnel, which pointed in the direction of the Pyramid of the Sun. Almost two kilometers to the southeast, Charnay made the reasonable assumption that the tunnels were originally quarries for the city buildings and only later turned into catacombs. In the 1950s, French-American archaeologist René Milon speculated the largest pyramids could have been built over vast underground caves or chambers. He dug beneath the Pyramid of the Sun and found evidence of a blocked pit in 1971. Excavations revealed the entrance to the ancient tunnel beneath the pyramid. This tunnel ran for 100 meters until it opened up a system of chambers shaped like the four-leaf clover near the center of the pyramid. This tunnel was sealed in ancient times, but when excavated, the chambers were found to be empty except for a few artifacts. During the 1900s to the early 2000s, archaeologist Linda Manzanilla the, of the Autonomous University of Mexico led a comprehensive examination of the caves and tunnels and concluded that most of them were man-made and not natural lava tubes. Like Millen, like Millen, she believed they originated as quarries and later were used for funerary and ritualistic purposes. More tunnels branch out from a large chamber resting on rough rock-cut pillars. These tunnels follow a regular path with a fairly constant height and width, although they display none of the workmanship apparent in European and Asian rock-cut architecture. Alright, that's all I'm going to read from this chapter, y'all. Um, you guys are beautiful, amazing existers, and thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy. Make sure to check out the Telegram absolutely get on there telegram rising from the ashes shout out to everybody um today is earth day so if you're on the telegram you know that earth day we posted some photos and some pics and we got a community growing on there everybody so go on over and check it out and then also if you want extra bonus content check out the patreon it's only three bucks a month and dan and i each have our own personal shows on there check that shit out I just interviewed an actual architect who lives in Mexico City. He's from Poland, and he's about to start an archaeological dig company, and they're going to do so much great, amazing stuff. So you can learn more about that on our Patreon. Go over and check it out. Much love, peace, and respect. happen on this planet weird things happen weird things happen on this planet weird things happen on this planet Rising from the ashes. I'm Dan Unaki Dan. 
I'm the homie Romy. What is happening, sir? What's up, man? How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Uh, it's raining a lot, so oh yeah, you know, catch, catching all that, catching all them droplets. Excellent. Love that. Love that. How are you? I'm doing good, man. A lot of things going on for me in life, so just trying to hang in there and get all the things accomplished that I need to. It's tricky. Hang in there. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's like a like a jungle gym of life. You got to swing from the bar, hang, yeah. and then do a pull up. Uh, my car, my car took a shit <laughs> a few days ago, so it's in the shop getting fixed. I'm selling the house, so I have to move out, find a new place to live. Uh, so a lot of things are going on right now. <laughs> it's been crazy, man. Uh, Spring cleaning, baby. Yeah, but on a good note. Uh, this month has been going pretty fucking well with Ancient America. We've been hearing a lot of good responses from it, and we have kind of been overbooking it a little bit, and plus people have been asking to come on the show. So the good news is we're going to extend it into May. That's right. Ancient America again in May. I'm going to bring you some... More ancient America stuff, a little bit more different ideas. So it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to just diving into this full on uh, because there's so much and ancient America doesn't get talked about that much, you know, in the mainstream or anything. It's always mostly Egypt or Middle East that gets all the recognition. So it's great to like finally bring it home and, you know, have well, some... anything interesting that's ever happened here is is usually suppressed yeah. instantly. Yeah, covered up. Anything yeah. In, like, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of yeah. the big big part of this for so, me is like is like we grow up here, dude, and like yeah. you know we're we're discovering about where we're at, and it's way way more special than we could ever have thought. Yeah, and how how much of the stuff that's is covered up in the other places that we don't hear about? Also, you know. If we know it's happening here, it's happening everywhere else too. So it's crazy, man. Uh, but it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, today on the show, we have Karen Mutton. And uh, she has wrote in quite a few books, I think five. Uh, I think we're going to be focusing on three of them, which is Sunken Realms, Water Realms, and subterranean realms so yeah it's gonna, our newest book it's fucking tight yeah we're gonna get into those subjects we might get a little bit off america because it's not technically her wheelhouse but we're gonna try to you know keep her focused into the america subject a little bit but we're probably gonna have to use some references for some other cities and other places also just for context so it'll be fine. It'll be good. Um, what else is going on, man? Uh, Patreon be blowing up, you know. Uh, got a lot of dope stuff on there. So yeah. slide on through uh, and and do that because uh, you know you want to, baby. Only three <laughs> bucks to support these sweet, sweet candy cane boys. We're going to go around the $3. North Pole. 
Thanks, Willie. And uh, do a little uh, do a little dance at the North Pole as soon as we get 1,000 yeah, Patreons. We ain't selling nothing on the show, just ourselves. Horning it out on the Patreon. So <laughs> come check it out for $3. You get more of us. If you love the show, then you'll love the Patreon. That's about all I got to say about that, you know. And uh, what else is going on, Roman? Anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's always going. Just, just the motions, the motions, the birds. I had a sweet interaction with a couple birds this morning. Oh, they yeah. were, uh, they, I kept watching them fly around. They were, I, could, I don't know what they were, but they were, they were imitating crows. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they were like doing the imitation voice, and they would fly to a branch, and the other one would just come and just just like try to like knock it off and uh yeah i think they were playing or maybe it's mating season i'm not sure mm. but uh but yeah i've been listening to the birds lately man you know it's going out yeah. silence yeah learn learn anything new lately or pick up on any new clues oh uh, new clues yes <laughs> new, new clue uh well i've been uh i've been ta- talking a little bit to chad Stumkey, um who we're gonna get on the show soon um because i hit him up a while ago and then he was like oh i'm not doing um not doing interviews right now but i'll get back to you and i usually think that that means like oh okay i get it you know i hear from you never you know but uh he actually hit us back and he's like oh i really enjoy the show guys you know like you guys talk about interesting stuff so um you know like let, let's do this and uh looking into and i really listened to his uh higher side chats episode and i was just like man you know that's a whole other realm of this you know ancient america kind of like you know segues is, is all of these you know specific layouts like everything is yes. so specific and then i started yes. thinking about the roads um you know and how specific the roads are and like to these sacred mounds or to destroy a sacred mound or, or you know like so that's really interesting um and what it looks like from above the patterns yeah. that it makes yeah it's interesting yep. stuff man fire tribe we are here with karen mutton uh she has authored subterranean realms water realms and sunken realms are the three that we're going to be most covering uh, but she's also written a book about the cone heads the elongated skulls and we'll talk a little bit about that too she is from australia so she is having a little audio problems uh, but we're going to try to fix that in the editing as much as we can so everybody welcome Karen Mutton. How you doing, Karen? Hey, 
you for inviting me. I hope I can um, give some insights on various topics. Yes, for sure. Uh, start out with a, a bio, a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into researching subterranean realms and discovering all these fascinating things. Well, I used to be an ancient history teacher, so I, I had that class. But that has given me the chance to dive into areas that really interest me that are that are a bit out of the normal i'm not saying prudent or private information but more information information that's ignored not considered interesting enough and i try to bring it to the to the public and uh, those three books um i like the last two subterranean I I wrote the subterranean book during the last long lockdown here in Australia. Um, it got published last, and the one I published right before that in 2021 is about water realms and our ancient technology and use of the ancient waterways and agriculture systems. That's Research now has gone into how the ancients um, grew their own food and processed it. And so I'm writing a book on that as well. Oh, yeah. that's what you're writing currently? It is, yeah. Oh, excellent. I'm going that's to call that the dawn of food. The dawn of food. Yeah. Great. Ooh, that's that's cool. fascinating. Yeah. How far, how, far, how far back in history does uh, food go? is when humans um, on many continents began to grow food and cultivate it. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, humans were hunter-gatherers for hundreds of thousands of years. So 12,000 years ago began the agricultural revolution, and they also started, humans started domesticating animals, uh, which had not been done before. So it was probably the biggest revolution the world has ever seen. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about some of the findings that you have in your new book, your subterranean realms um, that I find fascinating. Uh, a lot of occurrences with these subterranean structures was you would find measurements of resonance. They would have like a specific resonant tone. Uh, yeah. And then that would create a vibration in the chambers. Can you, can you go in on that? Cause that, that to me is super fascinating. Well, the, the main one I discovered um, was in the Hypogeum in Malta. Now, there are a group of people called um, archaeo musicians, and they can actually they actually concentrate upon this new science of looking for resonance in the very ancient structures. Um, I think some of the ones in Ireland, like Newgrange, and that as well. But I, I didn't write about that because it's not underground. But yeah, so the one in Malta, it seems that uh, the residents there created, um, was there to create a feeling of probably holiness, peace, spirituality, and it only um, resonated with certain frequencies such as a male voice and a drum. That's the, um, the male, the main way. It didn't resonate with females or any other musical instruments. So 
I think it was 111 mm. hertz, if I recall. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's amazing. These people were pre-literate. Uh, we don't know anything about them except from what we found in archaeology. The hypogeum was built many thousands of years ago. It's I've been inside it. It's fascinating. It's um, three three levels deep. You can do a tour there. Beautiful structures. Um, classical, which came many centuries later. Hmm. Yeah, I saw saw some of those photos, and it was just like how this was built before the cathedral style before all of it because it oh, looks it, it built it, before the Romans it looks, it looks modern, before yeah. the Romans it was uh that inside that one the, the cover of it on my book subterranean realms um, thousands of years before classical Greek and <laughs> it was curved too uh beautiful curved lines now you can do two okay here it cut out a little bit but it's really interesting you can do tours of the hypogeum check out in Google hypogeum and it's in Malta, which is an island in the Mediterranean. Um, the structures look like ancient Greek or Roman structures, but supposedly they're built almost a thousand years before that. Super fascinating. And they're underground. And when the audio cuts back in, she's talking about the tours that she's done. And they're pretty restricted. You can't really walk around freely or anything. You know, something held to your ear. You can't ask questions. It's um, you know, not the sort of tour I'd like to do, but it's the only way you can get down there. Do you think the, uh, the, the Romans or the Greeks got their inspiration from that? Maybe they, they found the, the Hypergorean and, uh, and, and maybe striked inspiration from that? Well, they could have. Um, there are beautiful classical lines in there, yet it wasn't a classical building, uh, so... Especially the curved bits, they quite amaze me. Um, you don't see that actually till late Greece and Roman times, and that was many thousands, got two or three thousand years later. So, but remember, this was an underground structure, and it was only discovered in about 1903 in um, Valletta, Malta. So it's just in the middle of a normal street under someone's house. Hmm. So it's a fascinating place to visit. And they did have skulls in there. Seven thousand skulls were were found in the um, hypogeum, and they've been lost in the museum. And a lot of them had cone heads, which is probably oh. why they got lost. <laughs> that was one of the questions I had. Was like, do they are they finding the rest of the skeleton with the cone heads? Because most of the times when we see the cone head skulls, we just see the skulls, but we don't see the other bones with them. So they yeah. are finding the other bones also? Well, I don't know what's happened to They don't know where the, the bodies have all gone. And the skulls are not on show in the museum. They've they've put them away. Um, they're not highly elongated like the Paracas skulls, but oh, okay. they are still elongated. And um, there were elongated skulls also in Egypt, Syria, Russia, mm -hmm. um, Germany, Peru, all, all over the world, Mexico. So um, there certainly was some strange race of people whose skulls were elongated longer, further than could be achieved by head binding. Mm. But how, how big are their bodies associated with the skull? Well, I don't know. They, they didn't allow, no one's found able to do studies on them because they're just hmm. gone. <laughs> yeah. 
We don't really know. Yeah. And then uh, one of the other questions I had was uh, with, with the subterranean realms there, uh, do they are, did they create them or were they like lava flow tubes and they built into them? Yeah. Well, Malta is all limestone, so it's not the hardest rock. Um, there's supposed to be plenty. There's rumours of tunnels all, all across Malta. Um, if there are, that's been hushed up. Because it is in the Mediterranean Sea, yeah. right? Uh, so it's like that conspicuous location, you know, that they, they, all these subterranean um, structures in the Mediterranean Sea, which is like, you know, a hub of life. There was so much going on. Uh, did you happen to find any like other underwater structures or anything in your other research of the Mediterranean Sea? Well, the archaeologists have found at least 200 Greek Roman type structures in the Mediterranean. There's also Neolithic, well, there's a Greek one called Pavlo Petri. There's one in Israel called Atlit. And then there are some that are not really acknowledged. Um, well, people have photographed strange things off the coast of Spain and there have been um, people believe there could be structures off the coast of Malta and, um, yeah, and we know that Alexandria and parts of um, the, the delta in the Nile was struck by a massive earthquake uh, 1,500 years ago, and those cities, Tonus, Heraklion, they were sunk. Um, and that's all in the historical record. So, yeah, there are lots of sites, but they're not buried very deep because um, they're only Greek, Roman, so they're maybe up to 50 feet deep um, in the Mediterranean Sea, but a lot off the coast of Africa. <coughs> um, Italy, Greece, Crete, yeah. So they they have found quite a lot, and there's many more to be discovered, I believe. And there could be deeper, older structures, uh, such as Spain, which is very contentious um, because a lot of what they found are in military areas, so they can't really study them. So there's still a lot out there that's going to be discovered. Yeah, I I love the I love the Mediterranean Sea. When I was a kid, I was said I I wanted to walk around it, just around the entire Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, and, that's uh, lovely. I knew it, I knew, <laughs> knew it would be a journey. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I wanted to uh, uh, ask you what was your favorite site that you visited because you're an avid traveler, or at least before yeah. you know the whole situation. But oh, uh, what's gosh. been your most favorite site you traveled? Oh, look, I just adore mysteries, especially ancient archaeology mysteries but yeah uh like yeah. we went into the great pyramid about 11 years ago and for some reason the first thing i did was jump straight into the coffin <laughs> and lay there <laughs> i don't know why my husband looked upon me in absolute horror and then all these asian tourists came in and screamed when they saw a body lying in there <laughs> but, um, yeah i mean that involved a lot of squatting and all that just to get in and out but i mean who Nothing can beat that. Uh, we saw the Saqqara Step Pyramid, which is, you know, one of the uh, basically the oldest pyramid, and it's got an amazing. I didn't go into the substructure there, but they are opening that up. So, um, 
Yeah, it's probably got the biggest substructure of any of the uh, Egyptian pyramids. And, and they did that right at wow. the dawn of uh, just dynastic history. Uh, I saw some mentions uh, in, in the bio of one of the books about Hyperborea. Where's Hyperborea? <laughs> well, it was an old ancient Greek legend <laughs> up near the polar regions, like also Thule. Yeah. Um, they believe there was a sunken continent up there. Mm. Um, we do know that the northern Atlantic um, was joined to uh, England was joined to the continent only 12,000 years ago. Oh, it, right. This whole area mm. was called Doggerland. It was a huge yeah. area which was sunk when the uh, ice age ended and everything melted down. So the sea level rose like 300 feet in many parts of the world. And Doggerland was a lot um, under there. It's all sort of um, Neolithic. They didn't, there were no cities or anything, but there, there were mm-hmm. settlements that they are starting to find. What, what age is Neolithic? What time period? Neolithic, um, Neolithic goes until the Bronze Age. Most places from about twelve thousand to three thousand um, BC, BCE. Yeah, I call it BCE before the Common Era. Yeah, you also have mention of High Brazil, which I think is a fascinating place. Well, that, that's the Celtic legends, and they um, they had quite a few legends of lost. Islands, there's High Brazil, there's East, there's um, Leonis, where I think King Arthur's was taken to be buried. Um, oh. And also the Welsh, they had um, legends of towns that were sunk in tsunamis. So obviously there are memories going back to when the Doggerland was inundated probably from twelve to 8,000 years ago. And often the inundation must have been quite quick and people would have died. Yeah. And the city of East, um, that's what Paris was named after. Now, that oh. was um, an overnight tsunami which um, inundated the town of East. YS, they call it. Yeah, these are, these are legends. There's, there's no evidence of them. Hmm. There are also um, Frisian and... Danish legends of sunken towns too. So we know that there are quite a few sunken towns from the Middle Ages around Holland and even Dunwich in England. Uh, they just fell into the ocean during a storm. So there, yeah, it's funny how yeah. fast those things happen, huh? How fast well, something will happen and like the land will change. Well, look, we all witnessed that horrific tsunami of 2004 in the Indian Ocean. Um, we never imagined, scientists never imagined that could happen. So now we know it happened in, in prehistoric and ancient times as well. There were huge tsunamis. Um, when, when the volcano of Santorini erupted, uh, I think it was about three and a half thousand years ago. I mean, it was probably bigger than Krakatoa and it would have destroyed a lot of the Mediterranean towns with tsunamis. So. You know, I've been to Santorini and Akrotiri. They actually preserved a town in the ash from that massive explosion. Oh, wow. And a pyroclastic explosion, which blew the whole centre of the island away. Mm. So we don't know what's buried around Santorini. No one's ever gone looking for it. Yeah. Mm. 
What are your What are your thoughts on uh, Atlantis? Well, we all know it started with um, Plato, and he gave a very detailed description. You know, he mm-hmm. gave measurements of the city and you know the buildings and all of that. So obviously, there's some sort of memory of an ancient town. Um, the timing he gave was about the end of the Ice Age and also um, I think a big comet hit the American continent about then too and there were massive tsunamis after that. So it was a time when um, a lot of things, you know, were destroyed on the planet, a lot of ancient civilizations that had been um, and they were just starting to come back after. And the first one we find is uh, Gobekli Tepe in um, Turkey, which is 12,000 years old. So I, I believe that might have been one of the first to come back uh, after whatever happened, destroyed. Um, yeah, Turkey, Turkey is loaded. So oh, much, yeah. so much stuff is found in Turkey. Why, why do you I think know. that? Do you think that is because it's one of the first places to get inhabited after a cataclysm? Well, if Gebetli Tepe is there, and there's another one they've just found, um, can't remember the name, just as old. And mm-hmm. I believe um, these temples they built and buried, uh, they're trying to tell the world uh, what happened. Um, we can't decipher it, of course, but, I mean, they built many, quite a few structures and buried them all. We've only dug up probably one or two of them, and uh, there must be a purpose they did all that. I think they're probably trying to document the world that had just gone through a cataclysm. Yeah. yeah. So I certainly believe there are sunken areas and my own opinion is that Atlantis was sort of a generic term for quite a few sunken areas and cultures that are now gone, mm. but they are preserved in myth uh, in people around the world and legend. Yeah, I saw like the there's the bird heads on the um Goblecki Tepe and they there's also those same bird heads on the back of the Easter Island yes. uh, bodies. Well, yeah, the the Pacific obviously um there's a lot of sunken land around there, I believe, and especially near the coast of Japan and Taiwan. A lot of that mm. was above ground. Um 12,000 years ago, there's that amazing structure at Yonaguni off um, that island near Okinawa, and um, some of it was built above when it was above and then it was sunk by probably tectonic action or uh, what happened at the end of the Ice Age. They've also found structures off the coast of Taiwan and the Pescatory Islands. And quite a few more off the coast of southern Japan at Kurama. So, yeah, there's obviously quite a lot of area there which was inhabited and then sank. Yeah, I saw an article not that long ago that uh, they were saying that the whole continent of Europe was not connecting with Asia and uh, it had I guess ran into or connected with Asia uh, sometime in the past, but it was separated from it for a long time. Ooh, sounds interesting. 
Yeah, it does. I yeah. send me that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they were talking about tectonic plates and how there was a tectonic plate in uh, that area, and they kind of smashed together. And oh, you mean in many millions and millions of years ago? Oh, was that millions of years ago? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have oh. been. But yeah. um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, if you look at what the Earth was supposedly like, you know, millions and millions of years ago. There's quite a there was a sunken continent in the Indian Ocean called Kerguelen, hmm. Kerguelen I think, uh, Kerguelen or something, and it was supposedly sunk 20 million years ago in the southern Indian Ocean. Um, there's a continent called Zealandia, which was sunk off New Zealand. You know, we're talking supposedly mm-hmm. millions of years. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, it's interesting. They could all be, you know, they may have all been done in times when people were there to witness it. Yeah, last last month we were talking about Atlantis and Lemuria, and we had uh, Sarah Breskman Cosme on the show. Have you heard of her before? I I listened to she, the lady from Lao Heritage. Uh, No, that's, uh, um, what, dang it. Von Galt. Well, it was very interesting to hear the legends from that culture, which is not very well known to the rest of the world. So, yeah, yeah she's doing great work. Yeah, stoked on that. Mm, mm. Uh, but Sarah uh, does uh, past life regressions on people, and they were telling her about a time when they lived in Lemuria and telling her all these different facts about it and how it was a a woman type of culture and they didn't really have men around that sounded a lot like the amazons um but it was pretty fascinating they're more spiritual people and the atlanteans came to uh attack them they wanted some red gems uh these red gems were supposedly some powerful thing that they could use to harness all kinds of different energy and whatnot pretty fascinating information though it's from regression so i mean i don't know how invested people want to put their uh and and invested people want to get into that but i mean it's it's interesting well i call that psychic archaeology and um the original Mm. uh information on lemuria uh well it was named after an archaeologist called sclater who noticed how the lemurs were similar in Madagascar and um, India or something. Mm-hmm. And so he hypothesised a, a land ridge or a um, an island there. But then Madame Blavatsky, who was a theosophist, um, she, she came up with all sorts of pretty fanciful information on Lemurians and uh, when you read it now, to me, it just doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> um, you know, like these big reptiles who laid eggs and were 15 feet tall and all that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of information that comes from the psychics, but I, I don't know because I don't. I, I'm more interested in legends and, and you know, actual archaeology and what's yeah. written down in the text. So, you know, I accept that everyone's got their own opinion. But I know there was sunken continents from the the Tamil Indians um, 
Kumari Kandon, they mm. wrote about um, a, a large sunken area. And we know that that um, bridge between India and Sri Lanka um, was probably man-made about uh, one million years ago. They call it Adam's Bridge. Yeah, Adam's Bridge. So we also know that there are, historically, the archaeologists have found sunken ruins off the coast of India. They are documented, and I I document them in sunken realms. And the other really good book on that is um, the one that influenced me was Graham Hancock's Underworld, mm-hmm. where he actually dived a lot of these places around the world. Um, you know, so he's I get my information from books, but he actually does the diving. So <laughs> it's pretty amazing. He was my great influence. I, I wrote Sunken Realms. Now, he was trying to prove a mother sort of culture before the Ice Age, whereas I wrote about sunken realms all through history right up to the 20th century when a lot of towns around the world were um, flooded for dams and reclamation projects. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people forget that, you know, there's there's so many of these uh, places and they happen, they happen quick. Uh, and it stays in that, that region's history. It doesn't reach like, you know, the, the pinnacle world history. And if it's not happening in your backyard or if it's not happening, you know, directly in your country, you might not ever, ever hear about it unless you pick up, you know, something like your book. And so, um, it's, it's, it's a really, honestly, it's a great work and it's a necessary work because we as humans need to understand this earth, you know, in order to understand Mm. ourselves on, on a big level. So I think it's really, really, uh, fascinating. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I want to go back to the resonance. I want to go back to the resonance stuff because I think it's really cool. And, uh, Real quick, oh, yes. before you get into that, uh, I was just curious if there's any like Australian legends about anything Ooh, that maybe yeah. we haven't heard about or or uh, if, if there's anything there. Have you heard of the Gosford Glyphs? No. Mm, no. <laughs> well, this is a very contentious um, subject. Now, about an hour north of Sydney, there's a place called Gosford and in the 1980s, they found some Egyptian carvings in rocks. Now, I've actually visited them, and I believe they're very old, but, of course, all the archaeologists um, will say it's a hoax. They're not real. They were done by pranksters. But there really is something up there, and as I've said, I've visited them and um they have actually been translated by some Egypt, Egyptologists. Um, and from what I recall, the translation was that Khufu, the, the one that supposedly built the pyramid, he sent his sons on an expedition and they landed um, in that area, which is a long way, the other side of the world, and the son of Khufu got killed by a snake bite and they buried him there. So it's a very interesting place and there is something that has, it's like a structure, a rock structure which has collapsed. So we don't know what's under there. Unfortunately, there's probably not one so-called archaeologist who will acknowledge it at all. 
There was also a pyramid, so-called pyramid, which was destroyed up at a place called Gympie. And there were also standing stones, which the government destroyed in 1947 in a place called Mullumbimby. So there's been a great effort to destroy any knowledge of Aboriginal, an Aboriginal civilization, rather than them as just hunters and gatherers. Um, now, what what I wrote about in Water Realms is how they they have discovered that they, I mean, the Aborigines have always been said to be the Hunters gatherers, that's all. They were not supposed to be cultivators of crops or domesticators of animals. But they found in my state of New South Wales and in the state below us that um, they built these fish traps, you know, huge fish traps and eel traps. So they were catching fish and eels in these um, stone traps uh, 6,000 years ago. And a lot of it was destroyed, um, but now it's all been acknowledged and it's national parks and we, we are starting to see um, some of what the Aborigines would, were capable of doing. And also they were said to not be able to grow crops, but now we've discovered, looking at old records from explorers, that um, they were growing certain crops. And it's... Um, it's not the history is not what we've been told about this country. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I never heard of that before ever. Uh, you said Mulbimbi, Mulumbimbi. Uh, yes. Uh, I thought that was like, isn't that the dinosaur that's in Africa? <laughs> no, no, it's a town in northern um, New uh. South Wales. <laughs> but there are records of stones and they were standing stones, you know, like Stonehenge type things, which were destroyed deliberately, bulldozed. Mm. Um, and the people are now finding the old records and finding the stones, which are still lying around. And so there is such a called um, Steve Strong and his son Evan. They're the, the ones who are doing all, a lot of this um, research into ancient Australia. And they are the ones that took me on to uh, the Gosford to see the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Uh -huh. uh, so, yeah, they're up a few people, but they encounter a lot of resistance from uh, the archaeological, archaeological communities and often from the Aboriginal tribes and from the government. So... There have also been some very strange skulls dug up in Australia, and people who find them find themselves in big trouble. Oh, really? So, yeah, there's a lot of suppression in this continent. A lot of wow. suppression. Yeah. Do you, do you know what the skulls look like? Or um, Look, I'm trying to remember. But they. Are, I did an article on some of the very heavy sort of Neanderthal skulls that were only around about 20,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, Australia, according to the textbooks, did not have Neanderthals or Homo erectus, nothing like that. So these skulls are an, an anomaly because they look very, very heavy set, but um, then they found more modern bodies older than that. Now, what happens is the tribes get them back and they're buried. So, you know, they don't get a lot of 
very unusual skulls and bodies were found. One had, um, they found very together, one had very, very large eyes. Where, where is this? Uh, very, where was it? It's um, not allowed to be revealed because oh, okay. the farmer has been threatened. Um, it was written about in Nexus magazine, and I did actually write about it too, but I can't remember the details. But um, they were not like any other human bodies found anywhere, these two different bodies. So, yeah, a mm. lot happening here, and it's not healthy to find things that are out of the box archaeologically. But I'll, I'll be honest, no one's ever threatened me or, I mean, I, I just go... I'm just below the radar. I'm not affiliated with any university or academic institution, so mm-hmm. I don't work for anyone. I, I'm just a, just a housewife who writes books, <laughs> so I can write what I want. <laughs> and I have not had the knock right. on the door or the threats like a lot of people have had, so mm-hmm. I mustn't be uh, hitting the really heavy stuff, so I'm kind of glad. I don't want these black helicopters or... Like opposite the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why do you think that they try to hide this stuff in archaeology? Why? Why is it so hidden? Okay. We lost again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, why do you think they try to hide this stuff in archaeology? Why? Why? Why do they want it to be hidden? Look, it's been going on for probably at least 150 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll go back to what the Smithsonian has hidden and yeah. destroyed. Um, they've done it all over the world. They just don't want to acknowledge certain things. I don't think they want to acknowledge the antiquity of humans. Mm. Uh, they don't want to acknowledge that certain races were in certain countries. The tribes, people around the world, don't want it acknowledged that other people were there before them because it can affect their land rights. You, think, you see mm-hmm. that in America and Australia. I um, mean, America very much so with Kennewick Man and the Spirit Cave, very unusual skeletons found in America, which um, didn't please the archaeologist and didn't please the tribal people because they didn't look like them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and originally a lot of the religions don't, didn't want it acknowledged that humans might be a lot older than uh, it's said in the Bible, well, we know that now, but they didn't like that 150 years ago. And archaeologists are very um, conservative people. They don't want to acknowledge that they've totally got things wrong. Hmm. And so it's a bit of everything, um, government, religion, yeah. tribes, archaeologists, academics. And you we, find- also, we shouldn't be like that. We need to know truth. Yeah, exactly. You find that a lot as a lot of people, uh, you know, just want to cover stuff up because they don't want their uh, their paradigm broken, I guess, you know. That's right. And, and you know, I try to break paradigms gently. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you find like in China when they found those um, very European mummies out in the Tarim Basin, down out where the Uyghurs live today. Uh, mm. The Chinese were very, very upset about that because these people were 100% looking European with European technology, 
and older than any Chinese um, Chinese mummies they'd found. And um, that was all kept hush-hush. That upset their national pride. <laughs> so it, it happens all over the world. It really does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my little segue. But I know Roman had a question. Go for it, Roman. Oh, I, I love that, though. I, I love Australia. And I, I know I have the intuition and inkling down that there's, there's, you know, the story we've been told that it was flooded with British prisoners and, you know, so on and so forth. And the constant suppression of, you know, the true uh, settlers like uh, Aborigine and Polynesian settlers and stuff. So, yeah, we could do a, a deep dive for a couple months just into like the all of the mysteries of Australia, because there's also magnetic anomalies there too, right? And like UFO sightings, I've heard about, um, what is it, God, the, the Mim Mim lights? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're a bit like the Phoenix lights, I think, mm. um, out in the desert. There's certainly strange aerial effects. Or, but I'm sure there are. there's American bases in the middle of Australia doing very deep and clandestine research. Oh. Who knows oh, what they're developing out there. Yeah, out in Alice Springs at Pine Gap. That's um, it's one of the deepest and most secret military installations in the world. Huh. Uh, Woomera. Wow. I went through Woomera uh, many years ago and uh, we went to the local pub and it was full of American servicemen. That's where we did our really? rocketry in the 1960s. Um, so, yeah, so who knows? When you got the military involved, anything's <laughs> possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially after... Um, uh, you know, after the 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 World War II and when like the the new direction of where military was going and it just completely yeah. changed the game uh, when uh yeah when Roswell happened and UFOs and stuff. So, uh, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love resonance. Um, I I think that we as a as a culture as a as a species as a planet, um, you know, we have the Schumann resonance, right? Which is like the the resonance of the Earth. Um, and you know, everything runs on vibration and, uh, you know, I, I think that this has been understood for a lot longer than yeah. we're being told as well. And Absolutely. so when I read that you were putting that, those you know, those findings in, in this book, it, it kind of clicked for me. I was like, yeah, absolutely. It makes so much sense, you know, and, and the way these things are built, you know, do you think that they built these subterranean structures and then figured out the resonance afterwards, or they maybe knew a science of resonance and then built the structures to do that. Oh, you cut hey, out I'm, there. I didn't hear much of that. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. um, so, okay. Let me, let me just say that let me ask: Did the uh, the people? Do you think that they built these structures for the purpose of using resonance and to meditate and to have like a holy space, or do you think they found that out after they built these subterranean structures? I, I've never thought of that question. I do believe that the ancients, many of them, were able to use subtle energies that we are only just learning to understand. And I still don't know how they built some of these with their so-called primitive tools 
right deep into the earth. So I, I believe they must have been using some sort of subtle energy power. Uh, now, Chris Dunn, who wrote about the Giza power plant, he believes, I think it was some sort of ultrasonic technology. And certainly with the Egyptians, I think there was some sort of electrical technology, which we're not sure of. Um, Robert Bouval. Yeah, these people, they've, they've got, a, they've given a lot to archaeology and they're not really appreciated. But there's this thing in Egypt called a Jed pillar. You probably haven't heard of it. It's just like four. It's a like a pillar with four little strokes on it. Of uh, it looks just like an electrical part. I, I don't know the terminology. Yes, but, yes. Um, I believe that could have been some sort of power source. We're not unaware of. We've also seen the pictures of from the Dendera mm -hmm. Temple, which look like the big crooks. Um, what's that thing called? A cathode tube. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I, I have to believe that they couldn't have built. Like going to one of the ones I wrote about in subterranean realms was Saqqara. Now, this was basically at the very beginning of Egyptian history, um, for you know, three and a half thousand years BC. Now, they built a 90 foot deep shaft, 90 feet deep, and then tunneled underground all around this step pyramid. Now, how on earth do you build a 90 feet deep shaft if you don't have um, certain things? They didn't have iron technology. They didn't have digging tools apart from sticks and all that. I mean, it just doesn't make sense how they could have done yeah. all this. Yeah. I mean, and that's what annoys me, that these things are glossed over by the archaeologist. They just mention, oh, yeah, they've got this, it's there. Um, not how did these people possibly do this with the most primitive so-called tools? I mean, they only had copper. And one of the things I found interesting was some archaeologist uh, wanted to do an experiment on how they did it. Do, hold up. Do an experiment on what? We lost you at do an experiment. Yeah. He wanted to see how, how quickly they could dig into it using the sort of saws, a copper saw that they had. And he was amazed to um, announce frankly that he meant to do about six inches. He didn't tell you that it took <laughs> third to do it. <laughs> oh, wow. Six inches. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm wondering if there was... Um some sort of uh resonance like technology or, or something focusing to like either soften stone or you yeah. know uh using certain uh geometric shapes yeah I'm, I'm not sure oh plants very yes. interesting i did mention that there is a plant that can soften granite and there's also one in um peru but i mean soften not make it turn to liquid it would have helped yeah. <laughs> but i'm talking about 90 feet deep shafts yeah that's, that's you know, no amount of plants going to help that <laughs> yeah there's the legend of the birds right in, in uh native american culture where they they say the birds brought back uh the, the plant material to melt the stone with 
So, yeah, well, sometimes the legends give information, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to interpret them, though. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, see if um, there was any, uh, while you're doing your research for the subterranean book, uh, if there was any like strange uh, altars or um, types of, uh, like, I don't know, like maybe even basilicas or altars or something where there was like definite worship going on and it was like a, a, a really um, renowned um, underground worship center or altar. Oh yeah, well, I wrote about the Mithraeum. Mithras was a Greek, uh, sorry, a Roman god from the Middle East, who was uh, worshipped in underground temples all through the Roman Empire. And found. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Did you hear? I, I used the, the image stopped. Anyway, Mithras was a god and he was worshipped underground. They built temples for him. He was supposedly born underground and um, he was worshipped all through the Roman Empire. Um, the nymph, the Nymphaeum, they worshipped the nymphs in Greek and Roman times underground. And um, of course, we go into India and we have all these amazing stone structures built into the rock at places like Ajanta and Elora and um, various places where they did amazing sculptures and rock cutting around about two 2,000 years ago in the Buddhist era. Um, so one of them is so um, they had a technology. We're not sure what it was, but they could turn rock into like mirror shine that was in one of the caves we don't really manage to get this sheen that was almost like a mirror it's um, a very unusual technology and that was about 2200 years ago probably Um, high heat you gotta get high heat for that right Sorry, I can't hear. Oh, I was saying, yeah, you got to probably get high heat, something like, uh, you know, like a like almost like a blast of. Some yeah, sort of- they say it was like emery, you know, something it rubs. The, the Persian Empire they created um using sort of emery or some sort of stone which can uh, really make things. Uh, smooth, but um, I think the Indian ones are even better. We're not sure how they that sort of share. Just um, uh, rock temples they built in the Buddhist era. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, yeah, I was just going to kind of uh, segue into like the Americas, and uh, I know you talk about some specific lakes in the americas and uh florida and california wisconsin uh, i was just wondering what you could tell us about those what they found there and uh what interesting things well found. there is rock lake in i think it's wisconsin there are definite structures which are under underwater now stone structures mm-hmm. um i don't know if they've ever been dated they call it rock lake 
Um, what was the other one? You what other places? Florida and California. Well, Florida, I don't know if they've found structures, but they've certainly found um, ancient skulls under there from which are very well preserved because the I've been to Florida a few times and they've got these beautiful, mm. pristine, um, you know, um, underground beautiful waterways. I'm not sure if they found structures in Florida. California, um, can't recall any I found there. Mount Shasta. Off the coast of La Jolla, they found something. Mm. was certainly an Indian settlement. Okay, so here we lost contact for a little bit. Um, the robot ether internet, you know, demon host decided to not let us know about what was off the coast of La Jolla. Um, you know, but it's really fascinating huh? about um, all of these underground waterways here in ancient America um, that connected these ancient mounds as well. And yeah, there's so much good stuff going on here, guys. I'm, I do apologize for um, the uh, iffy connection, but you know, what we have been able to collect and connect has been really great. Karen is amazing. Make sure to get her books and check out her stuff. Um, if you're interested in this stuff, which we know you are because you're lovely human existers. Anywho, um, yeah, so uh, she she didn't really find too much in, in, uh, in California, she said. But um, yeah, here we go. We got connection again. Ready? Have you heard of the big city off the coast of Cuba they discovered 20 years ago called uh, Mega? No, go into that a little bit. Well, this is an interesting one because most of the structures are not that deep, but this one's about two miles deep off the coast of oh, Cuba. Oh, wow. Now, this um, research vessel found it uh, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, and they took some images with LIDAR technology. How did it get so deep? Obviously, there was, it possibly was on a... Um, Peninsula that sank. Also, it could have been tectonic forces but that one was hushed up hmm. did you get all that yeah for the most part uh what about sinkholes and stuff like that is that like a swallowing up cities you think sinkholes could have swallowed up a city like that and and then brought it down to that type of depth of two miles well obviously something some terrible tectonic activity occurred yeah. um, i'm sure it would happen very quickly um Sinkhole? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, weird things happen on this planet. Weird things happen. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I, I believe that's probably off limits now, and they're, they're not allowed to go back. And, but that—that that was a fascinating. And that one was hushed up pretty quickly. Uh, so I, I, a lot of these um, uh, structures that you've written about in subterranean. Uh, look almost like they could have been like the bit like the building was like swiped in half almost like it's so flat and so clean on one side and there's these these doors these windows you know and, and it it looks like almost like it was a bigger building and then it just got kind of got cut in half do you think that that has ever happened do you think that that's a possibility well I certainly 
believe that um, tectonic forces could have sent quite a few of these places underground. Um, but no, I hadn't really noticed that, to be honest. And But look, anything's possible. Anything's yeah. possible. <laughs> we don't know enough about this planet. We don't know enough about history. Um, yeah. Why, why were so many things buried? I mean, the, the underground cities in the Goromi Valley in Turkey. I mean, I've, they've found at least uh, 20 of them now, which were hollowed out by hand um, up to possibly 4,000 years ago. I've been in one of them. And why did they do it? They obviously were trying to escape from something. They could have been invaders. It could have been some yeah. celestial event or cosmic event. Yeah. Um, I, like a flare could have destroyed. Um, we don't. We don't know because it's all all before writing. And yeah, but that's a fascinating place to go. I'd love to go back there, the Garami Valley. Are there are there any carvings or inscriptions or art in these subterranean tunnels that you have found? Uh, generally, not the ones in Turkey. Well, people were actually meant to live there. Uh, so Darren Kuyu? Yeah, you find things like grindstones and they had these amazing massive millstones for doors which would be um, rolled from the inside and no one could possibly get in. You know, if the army, invading army, and there are a lot of invading armies through that part of the world throughout history. Mm-hmm. The last one being the Selchuk Turks who came and massacred a lot of the Christians who were hiding in there. But, um, yeah, once they're in there, they could not, no invader could get through those doors. Um, it was just basically impossible without dynamite. So, yeah, they're, they're amazing. And the one I went through was eight stories deep and people lived there for months on end. Really? With, yeah. with just like the bare minimums or did they, did they like haul in some uh, electricity or um, well, anything like that? Um, the ones we don't know, they would have had to get light from somewhere. They had air vents. They would have had to have their animals and their water down there to survive for months on end. So, you know, we didn't see wow. all that. That was all <laughs> long gone. But there were there were hidden air vents, obviously, all around there. So any invader would not know. Mm. Yes, that would be one weak point of living underground. If someone finds your air vent, mm. they can sort of, you know, smoke you out, can't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But they that's are interesting. What What do you think about uh, what? So, what's been buried and what's been dug, or like what's been built and what's been buried? Right? Are Are some of these structures you're finding that uh, that have simply kind of like maybe been covered with a bunch of earth? And then some have obviously very much been, like, built out, right? Most of them, I believe, uh, were built underground. There's one which was buried. It's called the um, Hawara Labyrinth in Egypt. Mm. Now, this was written down as a legend, but Herodotus, who was a Greek historian, visited it 2,500 years ago, but now it's disappeared. Um, there was a researcher who recently passed away, unfortunately, called Carmen Bulta, 
who used um she passed away yeah a few weeks ago oh wow uh she is really great i've i've heard her on multiple podcasts and uh she has done tours with people in egypt and everything right well she did some work she and her team and they actually have mapped this buried structure which was not buried always buried we don't know why it's buried now and she has discovered it was two stories deep uh, it goes down to about 60 feet it was two levels and um, no one's excavated it now it seems like um the great egyptologist um oh his name escapes me at the moment but um petri yeah he probably found the roof of it and just thought it was the floor of something and didn't dig deeper. So I think they know where it is and they don't know what they're going to find down there. But she, according to Carmen, she um, she found it, uh, did, you know, studies from LiDAR technology and definitely it's a two structure, two stories with like the ancient space. That was one how it got buried we don't know why but of course um all the ones underwater were inundated ah yeah yeah i don't believe anyone built underwater these structures <laughs> um but yeah so most of them were deliberately built underground what's the most consistent um kind of shape you find like a lot of a lot of the uh similarities that you see are like Celtic and South American, right? There's a lot of like Celtic spirals and and things like that in South America. Um, have you found any correlations that was like the most widespread um, like shape? No, I'm not really, haven't really noticed anything like that. Every continent seemed to have its um, unique sort of shapes, but um, I believe there possibly could have been contact between different continents in prehistoric times. Um, I mean, you just have to look at the Olmec statues in Mexico, um, look at their racial characteristics. Yeah. And um, basically all over the world you find things that look like they came from somewhere else, but they're, they're never explained. Uh, it's very possible that the Mexicans and ancient Chinese had contact with just over the ocean. Um, because a lot of their statues actually almost look oriental. So it's, um, yeah, you've had archaeologists, but more like historians writing about this for hundreds of years, but the traditional archaeologists don't really like to talk about the diffusionist um, believing that people from different continents mixed in ancient times. They They just don't seem to like it. Um, yeah. Although I believe it's very possible and very probable, actually. Why not? I mean, it is, I don't understand why the, the the segregation needs to happen. Um, no, no. You know, it's 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 very uh, naturally attuned for us to want to uh, kind of you know share our share our you know our our, our energy or our spirituality and food and and language and love and stuff. So, you know, there's something going on with that for sure. Um, what about, uh, cause we talked about, uh, Oh, uh, the name is escaping me right now. Uh, in the Mediterranean, Crete, uh, Malta, 
Malta. Yeah, we talked about Malta. And that's like an island. It's a small island with a pretty deep uh, subterranean structure. What are other like kind of really small islands that have those? Any, any, Any small islands? Well, if you move to Sardinia, they have um, very ancient building. This was ancient. Ancient what? Water. I wrote about one of them called Santa Cristina. So very advanced technology in building um, and astrologic astronomical findings down there as well so yeah the ancient what's the name of that one again you you cut out a little bit on that we caught we missed the name um this they built water wells the main thing technology yeah yeah the water the waterways that that's that eludes people too. That eludes people. Too. That's a crazy technology. Water's not a light thing. Uh, Twenty uh, gallons of water is, you know, it's like oh, a hundred pounds plus, you know. So once you start getting a couple hundred gallons, you're talking thousands of pounds. Like this is no joke. So uh, that that stuff's super fascinating too. Yeah, they found one well, and I wrote about. Up to and it shows the moon or the stars at a certain time of year only. So they had astronomical knowledge too. Yeah. Do you catch that? Sort of. Do uh do any of the subterranean tunnels lead to specific structures on the ground? Like if they were getting from one structure to another structure from the underground tunnels. Or do they have like any type of archways before they go from uh, like a cave into the tunnel area? Is, is there archways? You talking about anywhere in particular? No, not necessarily just a, a generalization or if they have some specific uh, sources. Yeah, you can go for it. Well, not so much in ancient times. Like the tunnels were built for. Um, to find they were built for mining mainly, but they have found um, tunnel systems under many medieval towns, which go for miles and miles and miles. Yeah, like, um, yeah. and t- towns like Nottingham is built over all these tunnels and caves. Um, quite a few in um, Europe, especially, yeah. and legendary ones in South America, but. Um, just going through this book, I'll just mention some of the, if I can find it, some of the towns which had, um, I can't find it quickly, but, yeah, I'm thinking Budapest, um, Dorigia or somewhere like that in Romania. Yeah, I can't find it quickly. But, yeah, so many so many medieval towns, Cadiz in France, had massive tunnel systems built. Yeah. They could have been by the before that from ancient times. Um, the one in Cadiz is only one guy that goes down there. He sort of is a, is a custodian of them and he's the one that keeps sure it's safe and that. And um, there's probably many more to be discovered. I haven't found 
any in Europe that are linked to other towns. They could exist. They could exist. Now, there are lots of little tunnels too called Erdstuhls. Erdstuhls. Have you heard of those? No. (laughs) Well, some guy said there's, oh, 12,000, wrote a book saying 12,000-year-old tunnels leading all the way from Scotland to Turkey or somewhere. Wow. Now, now they don't. That's a bit not not true. They're they're small tunnels, which are smaller than a human. Oh, distributed from, and they're not all linked up. We got the. They're not all linked up, and then you cut out. All about three and a half feet tall. So maybe there's a race to who knows? Oh, we, you cut out there for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you heard about the Erdstools? Yeah, we got you with the Erdstools, and they're not necessarily all linked up. They yeah. And then that's but, where. Yeah, well, as I said, they're not suitable for humans of our stature. Um, they, if they were built for maybe for a smaller race of people, about four feet tall. Uh, that, that's a great mystery. They're, they're oh, mainly yeah. found around a lot of them around Germany, Austria. So they're just tunnels that go in, you know, a few metres or a few yards and then they stop. But there's also these strange tunnels they found in Brazil, oh. um, which they now say were built by sloths, <laughs> Oh, prehistoric sloths. They're all through parts of Brazil. They say, well, these massive sloths in the Ice Age, um, Tunneling, but um, that's all in the book. I mean, it's yeah, a bit of a stretch, cool. actually. Why would, <laughs> why would sloths build these huge uh, well, tunnels big enough for humans? <laughs> there's like uh, in America, we got um, in in Kentucky, you have the uh, the mammoth caves, and there's this whole mystery that happens because there's magnetic anomalies uh, in Kentucky. It's like the magnetic hotspot of North America. And so people have been seeing like goblins, like gremlin creatures, like over um, the past hundred years, there's been a few different studies. And then now they made a documentary on it called Hellier, um, which is, which is great. People love it. I actually recommend you check it out. It's really good. It's called <laughs> Hellier. Um, but it kind of reminds me that, you know, that, uh, you know, we also have, you know, Celtic lore, right? We have fairies, we have the mm. Nordic mythos of, of, you know, the underworld and there being smaller people that live yeah. in the underworld and that's how they get around. So, you know, it, it uh, we like that around here. We think that that would definitely be, a, yeah. Yeah, Dwarves, abs- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in my book, Scattered Skeletons, I, I wrote of a lot of the discoveries of dwarf graves. Um, Whoa. A cemetery in Tennessee, I think they found one. And oh. I mean, a lot of the countries have the legends like the Manahui in um, Hawaii, yeah. the Hakia <laughs> in New Zealand of these small people. Of course, Ireland's got them and they're mm-hmm. often considered, um, they're either helpful or quite nasty little creatures. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or so it depends. I don't know if they're friendly or not. And as for these places where things are seen, it's probably a portal where different um, animals yeah. and beings appear and disappear at various times, which I probably think is what's actually out because I can't seem to find them and where they mm. live and everything, but they do appear. 
and then That's... disappear. So I think they come from another realm. We've got we've got them in Australia too. We call them uh, Yowies. Yowies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yowie. That, that's what I was kind of getting at with the whole idea of the archways uh, between like the cave entrance and into the tunnel. Because I think maybe that these archways are are portals to different dimensions. Not really necessarily a different dimension, but from land to water or from land into a cave system or from the top of a mountain way or something okay. into sky. We lost you. Yeah. You there? Yeah, we're. I didn't hear any of that. Uh, oh um, no! I was gonna say that's that's what I was kind of getting to with the uh, yes, with the archways, is if they are in the cave entrances into the tunnels because right. okay. I think that maybe these portals or uh, archways are just there to sig signify like you're going into a different dimensional place, like such as like you're going from land to water. Or you're going from land into a cave system, or if they're on top of like a hill or a mountain that you're you're connecting with a, a spirit world on the mountain, and and that's what why they are having these archways there. It's a it's a transformation of energy right. through the archway into a different dimensional place in space time. Well, in my book, I wrote about a lot of the legends. I wrote about the Asian legends of um, Shambhala, Agatha. Mm. And yeah. Patala. And apparently only people of a certain vibration can get to those uh -huh. places. I certainly believe Shambhala could exist on another dimension. Yeah. Um, then there's all the underworld stories of Europe, mm -hmm. whereas the underworld seems like a creepy sort of place, whereas in Asia it's more of a, like Patala is supposed to be a very joyous place. But when I look, I wrote about a lot of the underworld and the Egyptian underworld, the Duat, that yeah. wasn't a very pleasant place, nor was the Mayan Chipalba. That was a very unpleasant place. So hmm. my, my guess is now from what I've read that there is people. Your guess is that there is people. Your guess is that there is people. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. It said, uh, you said your guess is that there is people. That's, and then you cut out. Still can't hear you. Oh, hello? Yes? No? Um, back now. I'm back. Okay. Uh, we lost you at, you, your guess is that there is people. Uh, there are people possibly living in. The tunnels in the inner, you know, beneath the surface, mm -hmm. and they don't really want anything much to do with us. But then there are some probably evil ones too who come and people. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's from, fascinating. Um, <laughs> national parks, where do they go? Oh, where yeah. do they go? Yeah, that's, now that's... they might. Well, I think they're probably good and bad. I've heard good and bad legends of. Uh, well, that's getting to hollow earth stuff which is very plausible mm -hmm. because we don't really know what's down there. Yeah. What do you, 
Well, it's cavernous, right? We've just discussed that. We, you've seen <laughs> that. We know that it's cavernous. There's underground cities. There's caverns. Like we have yeah. stated that. So hollow. I mean, it's maybe somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be. As I said, it's caverns, definitely. And now they've just discovered there's massive oceans beneath the into the mantle. I mean. They're coming up with new stuff all the time, these scientists. They don't really know what's down there. <laughs> yeah. Just guessing. Come on. Well, I like the um I like the time period we were talking about earlier, you know, and in Europe when they were building a bunch of uh tunnel systems because it kind of ties into some of this side research I'm working on, uh trying to figure out the you know, this the age of the alchemist, right? They when alchemy was a large part of the, you know, uh, royals, families, and and mm. uh, early spirituality, they would the so old cathedrals, and uh, and some of them at least written by you know some of the people I've read that they would be as tall underground as they are above ground, and that goes for any of these old like French, uh, um, like really uh, what's the, was it? yeah classical uh, and the Gothic cathedrals and everything would be as as deep underground as they are above ground and then underground would be where there would be a lot of alchemical processes happening mm. they have these black madonna statues which is supposedly uh pre-christian yeah they're actually of isis as opposed to mary and uh and so you know, there's that whole time period in, in 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 Europe when when that's going on, especially in France, which is home to some of the, you know, some of the most pronounced alchemists yeah. of the, of our time. Uh, I found that pretty fascinating. And so, can you go into that time period a little bit more? Because uh, yeah. were they just building a bunch of underground structures at that time? Well, obviously, they needed um, substructures for all their buildings, crypts, and all that in all the mm. cathedrals, but there were a lot of medieval tunnel systems. And when you look at the Knights Templar, they built massive tunnel systems beneath Jerusalem. Um, they built some in Malta. They built some in England, which have only just been discovered. Um, I don't know if you know much of their history, but they were immensely wealthy and they were eventually um, wiped out. So I think maybe they built some of their tunnel systems to escape from the persecution of the kings. And um, they're, they're quite amazing tunnel systems they've discovered. Um, wow. So, yeah, there's certainly so much medieval stuff I found. And I see places like Nottingham and um, under Budapest and so many other towns I can't remember the name of. Plisk in Bulgaria, whole whole underground cities were built, um, meaning miles and miles of cabins and we don't know. It was many parts of Europe. I went down to the Parisian catacombs. That, that was a fascinating place. But we know that was built from quarries, uh, so they actually filled in a lot of the quarries and use them for burials. But there are quite a few places under churches and cathedrals in Europe, yeah, where they have these massive burial areas and thousands of bones, especially in the Czech Republic. I've seen a couple of them there too. Um, there's so much in the way of mysteries in the Middle Ages too. Um, 
Yeah, I was so going to bring up some bones were. Go, go ahead, ahead Roman. I was going to say, uh, 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 kind of a on a on a creepy alchemical side. I was reading in some Falconelli that you know blood is often used when trying to uh, do some of these alchemical processes. And if cathedrals were some of the uh, laboratories for that, some of these bones could have uh, not necessarily been, you know. A place to bring your dead, but maybe they were brought live, and then later <laughs> they yeah. were they were murdered for this, you know, because the there's so much uh, talk of blood and and sacrifice and all this stuff. So that, that was just a weird little dark side tangent I, I like to bring up. <laughs> well, I think uh, Satanists have been practicing underground for thousands of years. Yeah, uh, worship the dark arts. Yeah, yeah, they're probably still doing it under buildings and crypts of churches and that now. And tunnels where supposedly children are being kept captive all over the world. Um, gosh, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, a creepy it. one. <laughs> I was going to, because we're on this top, uh, topic of uh, the medieval era, uh, you also mentioned uh, copper piping and plumbing and, uh, and stuff like that that go on in, in these cities. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what their plumbing and stuff was like? Which places are you talking about? Um, I don't know. Rome, I guess, I think is what I heard you talking about uh, before. Oh, in ancient places? Well, yeah. we did plumbing um, in certain parts of the quite advanced, from India to uh, Scotland to Crete to Egypt to Suma to um, some of the, the Mayans. So, yeah, they, they certainly, they found, the interesting thing about Egypt is we haven't found much about their plumbing, but they have found the room was supposed to be representation of your, obviously had it, we just haven't found it. We found it in a tomb. Um, no, had it like they cutting out so doing amazing tunnels uh, for irrigation and for wastewater and same within ancient Indian Valley Indus Valley it's building starting mainly in Sumer. We lost you. Hello? Hello? Not there? Hello? Yeah, unfortunately, I was, that was a, a long one. That was like two minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was asking you about the copper pipes, and then uh, you had mentioned uh, several places, Sumer, uh, and then we lost you. Well, I think I ended on Sumer. Mm. Uh, basically, yeah, I'm saying... Um, plumbing is over 6,000 years old in some places, ancient plumbing. Yeah, yeah so awesome. high technology there too. Goes back really yeah, far nice. then. Because uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about castles and stuff and how there's no bathrooms in castles. Um, and But so they already had plumbing to separate their, their not good water from their poo water. In some countries, yeah. But in Europe, um, they lost the technology from the Romans. The Romans had that technology. It was lost oh, 
for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so a lot of these castles, they hadn't rediscovered the ancient Roman technology um, of doing things or separating sewerage from drinking water. So it all had to be rediscovered. Huh. Do, you, do you, have you have you found any correlations with these? Um, uh, I'm, this is maybe even off topic because it's not going necessarily subterranean. But now we're talking about structures and plumbing. Uh, but these archi- or architects are pretty like prized people in ancient society, right? Like because not everybody's an architect, and you have to really? learn and and train with very specific high. Um, education so it's 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 a very selective thing and uh that yeah. it's not good i don't know where i was going with that but <laughs> i when i try to look up architect stuff it's it's either really fishy like they say they build things in just a couple years or this was built in you know two years which seems impossible like it doesn't seem yeah. that that can happen because it takes them two years to fix the you know, the, the corners <laughs> on the roads out of my town. It's crazy. What's your take well, on that? We know, we know some ancient architects, like the guy who supposedly built the Step Pyramid was Imhotep. He was mm. very highly regarded in um, early dynastic Egypt as a god. Um, he's a bit one of that, like one of those um, polymaths like Leonardo da Vinci, good at everything. And the Romans, we had some very good, books left from them about architecture by a fellow called Vitruvius. Um, so, yeah, the Romans left us a lot of books which were luckily translated by the monks in the Middle Ages. And it was when they started translating all these Roman books and Greek books that they re- they just started to discover how to build things properly again and as the Romans had and um, discovering these ancient manuscripts brought um, Italy back into the Renaissance where they learnt all that stuff again. Mm. And luckily it was for the monks who kept that information alive because they were the only people who could read and write and they were copying the ancient manuscripts and translating. Also in the Arab world they got a lot of the Greek manuscripts um, and that's where they had their golden age of science by um, translating what the ancient Greeks were were able to do. And in the time of the Hellenistic era, which is like 300 to to 100 BC, they um, the Greeks were having some amazing discoveries. Um, Archimedes, he, he discovered so many things. And uh, that was all rediscovered in the Middle Ages, which led on to the re- Renaissance, which led to the modern age. So we have to thank the ancient world. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, I I forgot that little uh that well, actually I never knew that, but what actually caused the Renaissance to be the Renaissance and that's mm. that's the story is that they 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 got the uh the ancient manuscripts by the Romans, yeah. huh? Well, wow. yeah. And that's why the Arabs had their um revolution a thousand years ago. They got it from the Greek manuscripts because they took over that part of the Greek world where the um, Greeks had been. So the ancients left us with a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank God that we, you know, and that we're doing this here right now, you know, the, this, the little things about keeping documentation and, and conversations and, um, you know, keeping it documented so we can, we can look back at it and learn and, and teach everybody because our, our population is just still skyrocketing. Um, I like the, I was looking through your chapter on, on the Asian subterranean stuff and, that seemed to be, to me, more fascinating because it was really detailed. It was probably some of the more detailed stuff that um, that I saw because uh, out of the photos in the book, what was some of your favorite uh, places in subterranean Asia? Well, not so much dug into the earth, but dug into the rocks in these massive oh. cave systems. Um, one was a Janta, a Laura, um, and some of these magnificent temples were built down from the surface into the earth, into Elora, and God knows how they did that about a 1,000 years ago. And um, <laughs> most people have seen the picture of that, but they don't realise how massive it is. So they actually started at ground level and built downwards to create these magnificent temples like about 100 feet deep. Um, I haven't wow. seen them, unfortunately, but if you look up Elora, you will see this magnificent uh, structure called the Kaliza. Now, the only other people who did such a feat were the ancient Ethiopians. They also built structures from the top down into the rocks and these they churches. Yes. Yeah, there's that very famous church that's like has walls all the way around the edges and it's built into the ground. Yeah, but from top to bottom, be beautiful sculptured buildings. Uh, yeah. It's mind-boggling how they did it. Yeah, these these I'm looking at them right now on the on the computer. I'm looking at these pictures, and <laughs> it's it's so crazy. It seems like this would take years. Like I mean, yeah. I, with the with at least the technology they're telling us they had, it would, yeah. it would be like you know, a hundred people polishing rocks and chiseling, you know, or it's just like a 3d printer cutout because it's so I perfect. I, I can't figure out how they built um, the Kaliza in Alora. It's, I mean, can you imagine how hard it is to start from the top and, and create a structure uh, <laughs> like a sculpture from the top down? Yeah. Uh, it, it just defies imagination but they did it somehow they did it we don't know how uh they supposedly didn't have any great technology but amazing stonesmiths of early india amazing yeah indian architecture is is some of the most fascinating to me oh gosh yes so yeah incredibly talented uh, with their sculptures and their but they're rock-cut structures. I mean, I, I talked about all the caves, how from Buddhist times, they most of them were built for the monks. Um, I mean, I've seen one of them, someone on the internet said, oh, it's a nuclear structure. Uh, no, I don't think so, because it's um, nuclear structures are underground. This is built into a big rock. So I don't think it could have been a nuclear structure. <laughs> but um, what's, a, what's a nuclear structure? What is that? Oh, where people go to hide from a nuclear bomb. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's possible okay. they had yeah, that no, technology. That's not... If you look at some of the Indian um, 
literature, it seems like they did have very advanced weaponry back in um, mythology, mythological mm. times um, yeah. where they could destroy Manas. cities. Indra, yeah. like the arrows of Indra. Well, that's it. So, I mean, they had it, I'd say, in prehistoric times. And yeah. um, it was only kept alive in the legends of, you know, the wars between Rama and all that. I mean, so, but the buildings from that era, we don't have anything older on the surface of, than about 3000 BC in India. And then in off the coast of India, they've found some nice old places. There's one of the, there's some things found in the Gulf of Cambay, which is underwater, and that could be at least eight thousand years old. They've found not structures, but they've found implements. Um, they've also found sunken cities off the other coast of India. One is off the coast of um, where the old town of Madras is. They actually discovered this sunken temple during that massive tsunami because when the water mm -hmm. retreated hundreds and hundreds of feet into the ocean before it hit us away, they saw these temples. And there were supposed to be um, seven temples of legend which were destroyed by uh, flooding in that part of the world. So they found one of them and, of course, got lost again when the waves crashed over it. But, yeah, there are at least four sites around India where they have discovered underwater structures leading many thousands of years old. Wow. Yeah, I, I think the Vedic texts are some of the most fascinating, but they have this I, I want to believe them. I want to, so I do. You know, I, I look at the Vedic text and I'm like, yep, they definitely had Vimanas. They were flying around. They understood magnetics. That's how they were able to, you know, they understood frequency. They understood resonance. That's how they were able to make this architecture. They understood color and alchemy, yeah. you know, is color and nature is color. And so I, I think their their spiritual belief has helped them kind of open up this extra next level creative creativity oh yeah i mean i think ancient india we still haven't really done and uh, because the muslims are upset that the hindus keep finding ancient hindu things and they feel left out so i mean uh, you seem to offend people everywhere now with archaeology. Because <laughs> if you're saying that certain people were there or weren't there, it upsets them. But I, mean, I don't know. I mean, history is history as far as I'm concerned. And who cares if your ancestors were or weren't there? You know, it's got nothing to do with today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gonna say something, Dan? You got you got something in there? Give us the juice, Dan. Uh, no, I mean, I only had two two more uh, questions left, really. Uh, one was uh, Tartessos. What is Tartessos and where is that located? And what's, okay. what's the history about that? Tartessos was actually a city known in the Bible. Uh, we know it existed. And people wrote about how they traded for the Tartesian people. It was off. It was in Spain or off the coast of Spain. Now, they haven't found it. 
they believe now that there's a swampland called the Doñana at the south of Spain where certain people have claimed to have seen structures buried. Now, some are claiming it's, oh, it's Atlantis, but it, it could certainly be Tartessos. And um, that area of southern Spain uh, certainly has had um, floods and tsunamis in the past. And I certainly believe that there are structures off the coast of places like Cadiz and Huelva. So, but as I said, it's um, it seems to be difficult for people to get permission to dive there for hmm. politics, and a lot of that area is in the control of the Navy. So, um, and remember, it's a very contentious area because it's very close to Morocco, so um, and Gibraltar. So they, they just don't allow that much diving. I, I think if they did, they'd find a lot more. And Tartessos is possibly underwater right now or in that, buried in that It's possibly underwater or buried. Karen. Hello. Possibly, yeah, I'm under, here. Yeah. possibly, possibly underwater or buried. Yeah, so either off off the coast. Yeah. You there? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Possibly Tartessos is possibly underwater or buried. So off the coast or buried in that national park, which is a swamp. Ah. So yeah, buried. Wow. We buried by tsunami and. Never came back. As and then, it was a town in Greece which was destroyed by a tsunami. Um, really fat and lost you again. Can't hear you. Lost you. Hello. Lost you. Lost you, lost you. Uh oh. She's back. Hey. Hello. I can barely hear you. Yes. Yeah. Just come back. Okay. Well, uh, maybe let's um uh so we left off at Tartesos. But maybe let's yeah. do a couple uh, final wrap-up questions because it's almost been that two-hour mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you you land one, I'll land one, and then uh, yeah. All right. Uh, my my final one was just uh, about like the cart ruts uh, that you see in the different places, like the Azores and in Egypt. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have any insight into those? Not really. Um... Obviously, it looks like certain wheeled vehicles, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we don't know. Malta's got a lot of them too. Oh, we don't okay. really know what they were. Uh, my guess is from something way beyond prehistory. You know, I, I believe there were very ancient civilizations. We, we get little pieces of it every now and then, and they could be one of them. All right. Yeah. Nice. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, 
going a little bit more on Mount Shasta, because uh, in your book you have a cool, uh, cool story on on Shasta and how uh, it it might be hollowed out and uh, and Lemurians and all of that stuff. And that's living in California. It's it's actually like people really really love that. <laughs> they want that to be yeah. true. And Mount Shasta is a beautiful place. Well, look, I don't know how much of that's new age and how much is real. Um, <laughs> I'd say a lot of it is real, uh, sorry, new age, to be honest. I don't know where the legend, the story came from. But there, there could be certainly, I certainly believe there could be tunnels and civilizations deep beneath the earth. I have no problem with that. If Shast is one of them, well, fine. Um also, I talked about the Grand Canyon tunnels and cities they found in the 1920s. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, you weren't moving. I thought I'd been cut off. Um, I actually <laughs> know someone who claims that he was taken in there as a child, as an initiate. Oh, wow. Um, he said it was a very poisoned place and... Um, it's been destroyed now by the military, uh, but um, some nasty, evil people were in there and uh, was not a safe place to go, and they had to decontaminate when they left it. But it did exist, but it doesn't anymore. A lot of these places were destroyed by the military. Wow. Wow. Now, another thing he said, there's a, you know, the author Clive Cussler, you heard of him? No. Oh, he's one of these adventure writers, you know. Um, he's very, very popular, Clive Cussler. A lot of what, some of what he wrote, he got real information about uh, ancient mysteries, lost cities, um, lost implements, you know, things like the grail and things like that. But um, mm -hmm. I was told by this same person that Clive Cussler did get a lot of real information but had to hide it as fiction. And he did write about the um, the sort of lost city in the one of his last books. He just died last year in the Grand Canyon, and he uh, he turns it into fiction. But what happened in the story is the the goodies and the baddies. There's always goodies and baddies in him. They find it at the end, and die big fight. But it turned out it just was a movie prop. Uh, there had been a movie that someone had filmed about ancient Egypt many years ago. <sighs> so the goodies and the baddies all walked out believing it doesn't exist. And then you hear a, a, one of the native Hopi, I think, or Navajo, at the very end of the book takes his um, son into a, the real ruin uh, that no one else knows about and uh, tells him, you know, he's been the keeper of knowledge for thousands of years. So... You know, wow. believe what you will. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't make a movie about that book, unfortunately. It would be too controversial, probably. Yeah, well, Clive does. Oh, he's written probably at least 30 books. And it's always the bad guys after something that the good guys have found. Oh, you know, it's the same plot over and yeah, over again. Yeah. But it's in different countries, <laughs> different parts of the world. And he does actually, I've been told that some of what he writes about is real, but he's he's had to hide it as um, fiction and change That's it enough cool. so that he doesn't get into any, he didn't get into any sort of trouble. But um, also the writer Steve Perry. Is he an initiate? 
Clive well, Cussler, it's two C's. He certainly, um, he certainly ran a um, nautical Arctic archaeology centre, and he was very, very knowledgeable. Um, so who knows? He could have been very much so. Very, very knowledgeable man. Same with Steve Berry. Same thing. Writes hides um, fiction, hides reality behind fiction. He was yeah. certain of his books. Sounds like yeah. uh, government. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people have to tell Marvel. the truth. They yeah. have to tell the truth um, hidden as, a, as fiction. Um, otherwise, they don't survive very long. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah thank you uh, so much for joining us, Karen. I'm sorry that the, the, the audio. <laughs> Probably my I mean, the connection wasn't very good, but uh, there was a lot of good information in there that we did take out. So we appreciate your time thank you. and thank you for sticking with us through that. I know it's probably That's annoying right. on your side too, to have to deal with that. Um, but thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, do you want to tell the people where they can find your books and uh, how to get in touch with you if you want them to, or what, where to find you? Um. Well, my books are actually published in America with um, Adventure Press. You know, what's it called? AUP Press. Um, Adventures Unlimited Press. And that's um, the guy, David Childress, who is on Ancient oh. Aliens. Yeah, David Hatcher Childress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of information. He's, he's published uh, my four books, four of my oh. books anyway. Excellent. And they can easily, much more easily purchased in America than Australia now. But they, as e the I sent you was not the full ebook. It was one of the PDF version, which is um, can be bought on Amazon or through him. Um, yeah, I don't actually. I only just got my own copies last week, so <laughs> uh, the mail's a bit slow down here with all the, you know, with all the yeah. lockdowns and the flights aren't going as often. So it's a lot easier to buy it in America than here. Mm. Okay. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. I think people find each of the books: Duncan Realms, Water Realms, and Subterranean. Anyone who likes a mystery. Anyone yeah. who likes um, unusual knowledge that you don't usually find it elsewhere that's in the us. ancient world, <laughs> that's me. I, I come up with all that stuff because um, I love to find out myself. And I think, well, if I like it, other people must as well. Yeah, we love it. That's right. We love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm reading right one and then I'm thinking of the next one. Uh, but, yeah, once I'm on a roll, I'll just keep going. There it is. We love to hear that. Yeah, please keep them coming. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, if I get the Dawn of Food published, um, maybe next year we'll see if he, he wants to publish that book. But it's interesting yeah. looking at where um, agriculture started everywhere in the world and the different crops and the recipes and Ooh. who their gods were. And all of these places had gods giving them the agriculture. So. Right. Quite fascinating. I never used to be interested in that either. I thought, eh, boring. But <laughs> once I started studying it properly, I realised, no, that's, that's interesting because we've got food issues now in the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. We've got to look at the ancient foods and 
how they were grown and, you know, we're coming into areas of massive food shortages because yeah. the supply lines are getting big cut with um, the Ukraine thing. So cool. yeah. we need this information. Um, yeah, okay, we might not be able to grow wheat and all that ourselves, but <laughs> well, at least we can know how how clever our ancestors were all over the world at creating their own food and their own water supply. So I really admire the ancestors. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, also, the other fascinating thing that I find is like the the origin of dogs and horses and uh, yeah things like that and like where they came from or originated from is pretty interesting. It all seems to be along that same parallel line that runs through uh, China and um, Europe. So that's yeah, and Central Asia is where the horse came from. Yeah, yeah. Bo- and ancient Chinese and Mexicans ate dogs, yeah. <laughs> whereas other cultures, you know, used dogs. I mean, hunting and dogs just love humans. They just want to be with it. We just want to be with each other. <laughs> I know they're awesome. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Beautiful creatures. But cats too. I mean, I'm a cat person as well. And the cats came as um, they started to help eat the mice when people were storing grain like 10,000 years ago. The cats oh. would come and eat the mice and so they'd come and the people would feed them and they stayed. There it is. That's why they become domesticated. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense actually. Cameron, I want to leave you with uh, one uh, sweet documentary because I, I really like the angle that you're taking on your new book. And uh, we love food. Uh, I've cooked food professionally for a long time and taught cooking uh, to kids and all that stuff. And and the history of food is really important. Uh, and this documentary is called Seed, The Untold Story. And it was... I can't... Well, I missed all of that. I missed all of that. Oh, no. Said, yeah. Uh, there's a documentary you should watch. It's really great. Uh, it's called yeah. Seed, the Untold Story, and it's a oh, okay. yeah, beautiful right documentary. Please watch oh, it. Oh, it really? supports a Portland documentarian. Did a great job, and um, and yeah, it's a it's kind of just about. I mean, it's more of um within the last like hundred years to hundred fifty years of where we've gotten today. But let me tell you guys, we have lost hundreds hundreds and thousands of varieties of food you know cauliflower used to have you know 200 different types of varieties you know so on and so forth and so we've been you go to the grocery store and you know our ancestors would would puke they would they would be sick they wouldn't eat any of it you know they wouldn't touch it because it's not even close to being what was nourishing them you know and feeling them so i think it's a great great project idea and thank you so much karen for coming on Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Fire Tribe, for listening. Wake up. Wake up. You All right, welcome back, Fire Tribe, to the what prologue. Up? What's up? <laughs> so that was a really good interview with Karen. The only unfortunate thing was like she started cutting out a lot in, in significant times when the juicy stuff was just coming. 
but uh i feel like there's enough there that we you know we can edit around some of it and uh, try to give you guys a good episode um like we said in the beginning we are we're kind of aware that you know she's in australia so her connection at this time wasn't too great unfortunately but we will try to have her on again soon uh down the road and uh, see if we can get a better connection uh but some of the things uh, she said was pretty fascinating. I love everything, man. Subterranean realms. And we didn't really get into America too much, which was, uh, you know, hey, that's fine. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of other good stuff in there. And we know about the subterranean realms in America and where they connect that and all these different places that are said to have these underground places. And... So I think from that, we can reference to these other places and see that things were going on, even in certain places in America that she did touch on. We know that they were here also. So there had to have been, in my opinion, some people that were making these underground worlds or tunnel systems purposely everywhere. I mean, how else were all of these places doing similar things everywhere so uh, i find that pretty fascinating yeah man it's only one earth you know it's like we're just on this one planet so it's like something happens over here it's likely it happened over here it just yeah. you know i mean we share traditions we share you know commonalities and stuff so um you know it I honestly, we, I'm not shocked when I find things like that anymore, you know, uh, but what I, what I am looking for is that juice, man. I'm looking for that resonance juice, dude. I'm looking for that, like, you know, that golden copper top with the mercury lined magnets and the bells and, you know, but I thought that was fascinating. Um, and when you guys go and get her book, which you should, um, because, you know, you get more juice, uh, juice it's all juice there's no filler right like the her book is written it uh it goes by place it tells you exactly about that place boom right on the next place there's no fluff it's just straight fucking heat it's juice um it's awesome um but they were finding a lot of these caves dude that they would have a certain healing resonance when there would either be a woman's voice or it was tuned to a man's voice and a drum like how cool is that man like i want to go there and vibe out dude yeah for sure man i mean yeah that's pretty interesting uh i think she said it didn't vibe with a woman's voice it was mostly a either a, a man or a drum that was the one she was referencing there's another one there's multiple they're all have different like like megahertz that oh, they okay. that they frequent yeah that they that they resonate with which is cool but uh okay. there's one what other would, specific one that was what low would, frequency what would creating all that resonance inside of like a tunnel what would that do i think so definitely vibrate shit right yeah yeah and and so like when you think about our bodies right our mm -hmm. bodies are um we have our auric fields and so just like when you're using tuning forks how that yeah. kind of that biofield tuning works it's like the same thing and so when you're if you ever done like gong meditation could you dude, like move a magnet through the bottom of the tunnel and and make rock float or something you know uh given the right 
like so that's another thing what is a lot of what are these rocks made of what specific type of stone are they using you know yeah. are, are they choosing where they build this are they just building it out of necessity or habit because they have to or are they well, so some choosing of the, yeah some of the stone quarries are 100 miles away yeah yeah that's interesting right so they're they're bringing it from somewhere purposely yeah you know so I wonder if something, you know, with the resonance and creating the resonance inside, if that can create some type of lift or uh, something uh, and give an object the power to float. That's, I don't know. That's, that's the story, a, man. That's the story. That, yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, I saw a lot of the stories, you know, that they had that deep inside of the some of the pyramids that they were would have crystal setups and a configuration and then use resonance sound frequency what have you to lift things and, and what they had to be within the parameter of the crystalline setup mm. um, have you been finding you, that in some of the books that you've been reading lately that that one specifically i actually i heard about that a, a couple years ago i don't remember mm. um but no, when I'm when I'm talking about the resonance, that's 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 a that's a tricky part, man. Because that is one of the things that's totally being suppressed. Um, is is you know anything that's free energy, right? Like yeah. anything that's free energy at all. So like you know obviously electricity, right? Like they're not going to give us wireless electricity because you know so on and so forth. But even like just resonance and sound frequency like you know we know the rockefellers changed the standard tuning of all instruments um yeah. back in the early 40s and so it's like they're obviously they know about the power of resonance they know about this this power and so when we look at the suppression of history i i that's where my intuition has led me is that yeah. there's something fascinating down the resonance rabbit hole um that would that that answers a lot of fucking mysteries bro you know well, and the the military cover-ups of some of these places where they find shit, obviously they're finding stuff and covering it up, and then using that information to, uh, you know, build something, some type of military weapon or some type of military craft or who knows what. You know, that's, yeah. that's like what they did with Tesla, right? They swooped up all his shit, <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden we you know we have these different types of things going on in military installations not to the public and now they're trying to switch it get rid of all that old stuff and then bring in all this new stuff now because now they're probably even farther ahead of that oh yeah what they want us to know, so <clears throat> yeah right yeah. i just I'm, i can't even touch on the shit that they got bro i'm stargates portals yeah. you know uh, hydron colliders uh, then that makes me go like well then ufos are just military and they're not actually aliens and stuff but one of the interesting things was with, with, with the little tunnels that she was talking about and little people maybe um you know we see this always in mythology and you have like nordic people with like dwarves and stuff and it's also in the alien mythology right with the nordic aliens and these little gray aliens and stuff and people these little grays underground yeah. and stuff like yeah. that it's pretty interesting uh how that how that crosses over from ancient past to you know future you know i don't know i don't know what that is well, time is not time is not linear so it's like the you know they 
they they're there there and they're they're there in the future the future is the past and you know uh yeah, they're there yeah <laughs> exactly yeah uh, i don't know man it's it's crazy i i like this topic though i i love going underground uh, yeah. Improving that there are things underground, you know, that that go back way farther than civilizationization. I mean, some of the dates she was throwing back, I'm like, this is all old. Like this is, yeah. When, when the, all of these were built, fucking pre prehistory. Like what is that? Like that's cool as shit, man. Um, Copper piping, seven thousand years. Is that what yeah, she said? What? Yeah. Copper piping separating drinking water from your discharge poop and pee <laughs> your discharge pallet plate uh, 7,000 years yeah, the, so and, that's and fucking forever ago it's crazy that encompasses think, all dude, known think, history that we are aware of exactly that's over 6,000 yeah and they were piping the thing is, is you can't you, you gotta you gotta imagine what what it takes to get the copper out of the ground to separate it to forge it right to and make goes pipes. into like the copper mines yes uh, i think that's in wisconsin too yeah that where that lake is that she was talking about and possibly uh subterranean realms there so maybe these were mining tunnels and they were mining the shit out of copper there or i think it was minnesota or michigan i don't know yeah, it was one of, chad stumke was talking those. about that too yeah yeah well, Dude, yeah, exactly. To talk to him about, I man. think, I think also it correlates, man, with it. You're just talking about, you know, bringing up the aliens, right? But got big quotes over here over my hands. You know, I'm doing the quotation marks, people. <laughs> aliens, right? It's aliens. Uh, I mean, sometimes but, I'm down with aliens, and sometimes I'm not. I don't know. It, I go back and forth on that one. In this case, I'm I'm down with it, right? Like, think think, um, you know, if we had light if they had lidar scanning right or like some, they just knew where these deposits were you mm -hmm. know because it's you gotta imagine it's like when when we had the copper age right it wasn't just like bam one day we just knew where all the fucking copper was we knew how to work it we knew you know it takes a long time for these things to get discovered or maybe not you know maybe, you know maybe just like a couple of years but unless and but what if there was, you know, these these outside forces that came here that knew exactly what the fuck they were looking for mineral wise and they knew they had the technology to find it? Um, you know, I think that that can oftentimes maybe be the case just because, you know, it's a really easy out. The alien stories are always like a really easy out. You're just like, hell yeah, aliens. You're like, oh, OK, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Done. We're, we're done talking, right? <laughs> yeah, I like to go with more ancient humans than ancient aliens, but. You know, there's still that once you go back far and far enough in time, there's still that possibility where aliens could have been here, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, millions of years ago. According to the Sumerian tales, 200,000 years ago is when they made it to this planet. So that's also pretty interesting to me. It could have just been an ancient, ancient, ancient thing that they seeded this place and then bailed out or whatever, you know? Wow. I just had a weird random thought. Think about this. Okay. Think about this. Okay. We're mining. Okay. So the earth is magnetic, right? We have these magnetic poles. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Things are magnet. Rocks are magnetic. Metals are magnetic. Okay. All right. What if we, by mining these metals, are thus throwing off the magnetic pole 
or contorting it of sorts of the earth. And so it's like if we're we're mining all this shit from up north, maybe that's what's causing sinkings of land or, you know, some sort of like shift because, you know, or if there were fucking aliens that came or some sort of, you know, outside help, we'll just call it outside help, right? There was some outside help that came and took a bunch of metal or took a bunch of these things, you know, everything within the system of the earth is complete or it's there and it exists. And that's how, you know, it exists. But when you move it, 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 it could probably fuck it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it changes the the balance, right? Yeah. I said, I had that thought because I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, we're mining all these things. The earth is changing. Maybe there's times when we, the more we mine, the more the earth changes and there's more catastrophes. Um, I mean, they were mining a lot and there's a lot of catastrophes at that point in time. So, right? I mean, uh, there's a possible connection there. It's worth more digging. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe not can, worth more digging. Worth uh, yeah, right? looking into. Yeah. Looking into. Yeah. <laughs> no dig. Okay, guys. Calm down. I'm trying to maintain the weather we got. I don't need a tsunami over here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe, you know, because a lot of times some of these alien, alien type sightings, UFO sightings, are, seem to be some type of orb or some type of energy that's uh, kind of going around. So maybe there's some type of thing going on with metals and, uh, you know, piezoelectric electricity and stuff like that. Some type of pressure and something else going on that's creating these different lights in the sky sometimes i don't know but sometimes they don't seem like they could be that sometimes they're com completely different so it's it's hard to say you know so many different lights yeah we, we've yeah. seen so many fucking lights in the sky and they're all these shapes and they do different dips and sways and it's it's nuts let's yeah. let's let's talk about this from a flat earth perspective okay we're not talking about outer outer player planetary okay what, 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 you know, what, what is the alien to the, in the flat earth paradigm? From the outer limits. Word. Yeah. Outside the ring, the yeah. ice ring. Well, I mean, you could, you could even say that they're just coming up from underground. Maybe there's an underground civilization. Maybe there's something in the hollow earth, or maybe there's just, maybe there's not even a lot of them. Maybe there's only two like big cavernous cities in the whole planet yeah and and they live there without war and everything and they're able to develop technology and then they trick government or whatever into using it and selling it and getting things out of them for it i mean there's all kinds of different possibilities that you could go with there i, I well, see we on, had, we on had. inner tradition there was a guy who has a book called alien world order and so oh. maybe, maybe we can get him on or something yeah <laughs> talk about that it, it, it also too you know the um the frequency right like being able to just basically be invisible there's that you know like yeah they're just able to pop through these dimensional walls which you know is just as far out as talking about coming from another planet you know coming from you know millions of miles away or coming through a dimensional force field Either way, it's far out. I haven't experienced it. I'm I'm down though. Like you know, like I got my crystals, baby. I'm about to start humming. Uh, I'm gonna do my ohms tonight. Maybe my room will uh, 
portalize itself and uh, find myself floating somewhere. I don't know. Let's, yeah, maybe, maybe if you... Let, let's call each other tonight in Ohm on the phone, on speakerphone. Oh. <laughs> you want to? <laughs> oh. We'll do a group call. Everybody on everybody listening, uh, here's Dan's phone number. Give him a call him at midnight. Ready? Reminds me of uh, Up in Smoke, the movie with Cheech and Chong. <laughs> hey, man, you got to do Ohm. Calm you down, man. Freaking out. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, I think I'm feeling better, man. Oh, oh, ah! oh. <laughs> freak him out. Um, yeah, man. Uh, that's all I got, really. Yeah, same. Nah, uh, so can end it there. Uh, thanks, Fire Tribe, for listening. Thank you very much. Go support the Patreon and wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Just seem to